We're back. back. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the hundredth episode of Never Made Varsity, the Google Chrome application that only works when you don't want it to. My <sighs> name is Colby. You can find me on Twitter at Colby Complains. What a wondrous day. Happy hundredth, I guess, podiversary. We should call it a podiversary. It's kind of close to the anniversary. It is real. We should we should look that up. We should we should make that official. It's my birthday. What? It's on my birthday. I'm oh, pretty sure. I thought you meant today was your birthday. Wait a minute! I didn't say happy birthday. I'm a Wait, terrible person. <laughs> I felt like a terrible friend. But no, yeah, it is in nine days though. Oh, thank you for for telling me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my name is Dave Rivera. And you can find me on Twitter at DRivero1222. Hello again, my friends. It is me, Maverick. You can find me on social media at heartbreak underscore underscore kid. Hey, everybody. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. What? (laughs) Thank you for waiting 30 seconds. I'm glad we were right back where we left off. I didn't want to interrupt anybody. I didn't want to interrupt. Like you never left. (laughs) Anyways, my name is Aaron, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Aaron P. Friedman. Little rusty. I'm glad you're back. (laughs) Is it rust if it was never steel? (laughs) Aaron, we're glad to have you back. How was your summer? I'm happy to be back. My summer was really good. I, as everyone knows who listened to my last, to the last podcast that I was on, which was a hot minute ago, I was in Israel and I really liked it. I lived two blocks from the beach. So I went to the beach basically. Oh, you lived at the beach? I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. I I never, I never put anything on social media about it. No, not once. Uh, so I went to the beach every day, almost every day. I'm tan for me, but I'm white for everybody else. <laughs> um, I ate a lot of falafel, a lot of hummus, a lot of shawarma. Yeah. I also lost 15 pounds when I was in Israel. That's pretty good. Yeah. And I wasn't even trying to lose weight. Weird Look at flesh, you. but okay. So Yeah. <laughs> What was your favorite part of the summer and why was it David getting engaged? (laughs) (laughs) It was obviously David getting engaged. Um, One, I don't know. I really liked my job. I really liked being at the beach. What I've told a lot of people is that (laughs) (laughs) I like that literally everyone I know makes fun of me for always talking about the beach this summer. Um, what I've told a lot of people at home, and it's the truth that one of my favorite parts of the summer is that even in Cleveland, where I grew up in a very Jewish area and all my friends were Jewish and I was in a big Jewish community, you, you still think every day about being Jewish. And in Israel, the default is being Jewish. So it was nice for that to be the default for a while. It's like when I go to Florida. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> very nice. I'm glad you had that experience. Thank you. So, rest. How was your week? I did I, you go to Israel? No. Um, I have been doing bank camp, so I've been going from seven to three most days, seven to like nine every other day, like Tuesdays, Thursdays. Um, but yeah, it's been going really well. Band's doing really well. Really proud of the kids. Um, I'm excited for this season. So, yeah. We're doing a star-themed show. Or, like, a not a star-themed show. Sorry. Like a uh, – it's called When I Look Up. So it's about, like, the stars, the planets, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're doing – our first movement is Moonlight Sonata. Um, our second movement is uh, kind of a culmination of Jupiter um, – I don't remember what the second part – it's one of the planets, and then the last one is Mars. I think it's Mercury. I could be wrong, though. Um, and then our last movement is a jazz arrangement of When You Wish Upon a Star that we paid a very pretty penny for the rights to. <laughs> Were you ever in marching band if you never played Jupiter and or Mars? <laughs> no. Especially as part of the same show? 
No. It's a requirement. We played it during our was it the space show? Yeah, it had to be. When we did um we did Apollo thirteen. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Lost Moon, the voyage of the perilous voyage of Apollo thirteen. Nice. And we did uh, Mars and Jupiter. We have and a then oops, sorry, Crown stole our show <laughs> for, <laughs> for Seven, what, six. What was it? Um, uh, out of this world. Out of this world. Which they should have won that year, but whatever. The more and more I had experience with y'all in college and everything, the more I found out how basic mine was because we never did any kind of big themes or anything like that. We just did. We picked an artist and did four arrangements of their songs. But we didn't have any like when you look up in the sky or stuff like that. I kind of like that stuff though. It's we really never, it's we had, it, I did Billy Joel a pop show. Oh dear, a New York show. That was the most theme we ever got. It really it blends the the lines between, especially now with the way the drum uh, drum corps is going. It's really blending the line between theater and uh, and band. Yeah, we did. Okay, my first year we had a uh, Main Street America. We played a bunch of like Americana stuff, um, like you would stuff you would hear driving down Route 66. My second year we did Rain Dance, which is high key problematic. Now that I think Ooh. back on it, <laughs> uh, my third year we did a. Uh, uh, army show, so we won everything. Yo, wait, we wait, did the military show. When so we I won when I graduated, our band did uh, Lost but Not Forgotten, which was a it was a military theme show. They swept the whole season. They won grand champs oh, yeah. the whole season. I was like, and I made that joke when I was in high school. I was like, if we just did a military show, we would win everything, and they did. Oh, and every they competition. Did. <laughs> it was so funny. I'm literally like looking at a trophy in my room from one of those competitions where we won. Um, that I took from my high school. That's funny. Did and I tell then, you about yeah, the? Had, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say we did Lost Moon. Did I tell you about the one time where this band we performed against, like they did a GI or oh crap, I haven't even where they uh, some of the band members laid down and the others stood like at their knee above them to make it look like um, graves. And that, oh, no. That, no. that got controversial real quick. Oh, no. Don't do that. No. My favorite show that I saw was it, there was a zombie show. Oh, wait a second. Was that Cuthbertson? Because they did, they did a zombie so, show when I was in high school, which is when you were so in high school. So it would have been our junior year. I think but, it was. Well, let did me they tell have you about a, this did, specific okay. zombie show tell me about where it. they killed a small child. Tell me more. <laughs> There, I think it was like the the director's daughter, and she was like getting chased by zombies. And at the end, the zombies get her, and she dies, and she turns into a zombie. Maybe not, because the one that I saw was Cuthbertson, and they had like a really like a red like a red orange fence going down the middle of the fifty. And at the end, the drum major gets pushed off the podium and falls into a crowd of of zombies. I will say that the zombie show I just described was not the only zombie show I saw that year. So it's a very real uh there's a really very real possibility I saw that show anyway. True. I think my – so my shows that I did were uh, – we did Three Wishes, which was like a, a genie theme show where the three wishes were uh, wealth, love, and power. Those were the three movements. Um, and then the second year we did Fire Within uh, where we played Firebird Suite and Vesuvius which had us marching in nine, eight time, which was fun. Um, and then the year after that, we, uh, you know, that whole like dance, like no one's watching, like saying that like every white sure. girl has or white suburban mom has up somewhere in their house. Um, we did a show theme on that. And then my senior year was <laughs> the ugly duckling, but we use move on. <laughs> we use move on Rouge in it. <laughs> One day I'll fly away. Interesting One shows. One day. All right. It's cool, though. Y'all, we're a sports podcast. Yeah. Who wants to hear we our We went on a tangent stuff? there, but it's the 100th episode, so we do what we want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell us what to do, audience. <laughs> Shall we 
you know what? I'm not even going to ask. Let's do it. Have y'all been keeping up with this AB stuff in <laughs> Oakland? Yes. yes. <laughs> how can you not have? <laughs> uh, David, how about you You break it down a little bit? Oh, I'll break it down. <laughs> as, as all the points that you want to hit, since there's a, there's a good amount of stuff that you can get. Yeah, on. sure. So it all starts when I check my phone and I see that Antonio Brown is out of training camp. Nobody knows why. There are sources saying like he's gone. He's gone. Uh, what's the term for it? I guess ghosted. AWOL. Yeah, a wall ghosted. AWOL. Whatever you want to say. Nobody's heard from him. He's not texting anybody back. He's not answering phone calls, which is a great sign <laughs> if you're a Ra- the Raiders who just you know signed Antonio Brown. Um, so he's gone silent. There, that that was a term. He went radio silent. Was the term that I saw on Twitter, and. So nobody's heard from him. It turns out that the news came out that his foot had some severe frostbite from the cryotherapy that he's been doing in France or something. Um, I don't know exactly where, but I think it was France that he was doing all this cryotherapy and his foot is just all messed up from all of the, of the, of the, the cold pretty much. Um, And so we're like, Oh man, like he's got an injury. They don't know how long he'll be out. Um, I saw on Twitter that somebody at another, like a college that did cryotherapy, their two guys that got frostbite were out for like two to three months. Um, and so that was the kind of timeline that I was seeing. Then <laughs> on a way more petty level, it comes out that Antonio Brown is refusing to show up to training camp unless they let him use his old, uh, uh, I guess, make or model of helmet. So I guess this year they're starting a new line of helmet that all of the players are required to use for health and safety reasons, I guess, because they feel like it'll be more protective of the players' heads because, you know, CTE is a thing. Um, (laughs) And so, but Antonio Brown's claiming that it obscures part of his vision uh, and he won't be able to play to his fullest potential wearing this helmet, even going so far as to show up to practices with his old helmet repainted, <laughs> repainted with the Raiders color scheme <laughs> to try and navigate through that. Um, they caught it. They're, they're, they're going to force him to play in this new helmet, but he's saying that if he is not allowed to play in this helmet, in his old helmet, that he will not play football again. So, more stuff about the helmet. So the helmet situation. Go ahead. There is every 10 years they cycle out. So like once your helmet style is 10 years old, they discontinue its use in the NFL. Only kickers. I'm not or last time I checked, only kickers were um exempt from this, but I think I even think kickers now, it's is just for the two bar. Yeah, but even at this point, I think every kicker that used a two bar is out of the league. Oh, that so, was one bar for kicker, but yeah, they can still yes. use a small two bar, I think. Sure, but it, whatever. It's a very, it's a rule that has never caused any problems up until now. Aaron, what do you think of the AB of it all? So, also on the helmet lines, I heard that. AB isn't the only player that has an issue with the new helmets. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, I think, are both trying to get their old type of helmet back. And the difference is that the old type, you would pump air into it, which would, like, mold it to your head. Whereas the current type, or the new type, they scan your head and, like, take a 3D scan and then print the helmet based on your head so it's shaped for you. Which definitely seems safer. Obviously, we're not experts on football helmets, so we don't so know the, if it really does obscure vision. The old one was more adjustable, is, is what you're saying? Like, it was... Less adjustable. It was, the, well, it was more adjustable, but adjustable being a bad thing and that there was an air cushion, there was more room okay. to move around. Okay, yes. got it. Whereas the new one is like a memory foam pillow of sorts. So what do you think about the whole everything? Well, I think... I think he's, from what I heard, he got the frostbite because he wasn't wearing, like, the fancy type of shoes that you're supposed to wear in a cryotherapy chamber, which I don't know if I would believe that he just didn't wear them because 
That's a very dumb oversight for someone to have, especially a professional athlete. Right. But I feel like the helmet dispute is just a way of distracting from the frostbite and saying he's going to retire. Maybe conspiracy theory, his feet are bad enough that he's never going to be able to play football again. And his helmet is what he's using as a cover for that. Huh? In light of all of this stuff that's happening, there is an old interview from Antonio Brown. Oh, not old. I guess from this previous year um, after this stuff with the Steelers went down where he was saying that he loves the game. He wants the game of football, but he doesn't need the game of football. And he's content with walking away because he feels like he doesn't have anything left to prove. I don't know if that holds any relevance with this situation, but it it's hard not to feel like that conversation or at least that kind of mindset was started or, or sorry, that that kind of mindset is affecting what's happening now. Maverick, what do you think? I think it's just can't miss TV and it's, it's like you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> you know what I, I think? So, you, I think that the NFL saw how dramatic the offseason the, the NBA had and they were like, <laughs> we need to get it on this. Like, <laughs> we, we can't just be boring during the offseason. We got to be interesting like the NBA. The NBA offseason is its own season unto itself at this point. So NFL's got some got some catching up to do. I kind of these are times I kind of wish that Hart Knox wasn't produced by NFL films so that we could get like an actual journalist in there to see like what's actually going on in Raiders camp right now uh, to show all of us because so it's not propaganda. I will. Yeah, exactly. I will be watching Hart Knox the rest of the season just or yeah, the rest of the season of Hart Knox just to figure out what's happening or try to piece together what's happening at least. Have y'all been watching it? I have not. I have not. So our boy Ollie from Last Chance U um, was on the team for, for a, hot, a second. hot second. Yep. <laughs> and then you uh, put in the group. It's like, he's on the Raiders. And I, was, and I had already kidding. seen the news on Twitter that it got cut. And I was like, about that. Throwback. There's a harken back. The first few episodes with the soundboard. I missed the soundboard. I th- I think I'm going to try and get it back in commission. I just got to work with it again and figure it out again. You got to buy a dinner and, you know, touch it up and be nice to it. Oh, yes. Sure. Touch it up. Do that. So I think that. Push it real good. <laughs> Done. I don't know. Like Done. the. Done. So the foot thing, I feel like like that has to be like a technician not catching that i know there are some people who are like foot truthers who don't believe that it's a real thing and it's just that his feet got messed up another way i don't know about all that there but like the helmet thing it's just weird like i i've never heard this happening before and it happens every year because it's like every year is another year where 10 years has gone by that's kind of how time works yeah um, and it's never, I've never heard it be an issue until now. Maybe this was a very popular type of helmet. And I, I just don't know, but it's just, a strange I think it's situation. probably that this is the first time we've heard of someone as prominent as Antonio Brown saying, I'll just quit football. And you know what? There might be some, believe it or not, there may be some ego things happening with Antonio Brown, but I don't know. It's just a very, very weird, strange situation. I'm interested because I felt in my my heart of hearts, in the heart of the cards, that the Raiders were going to have something happen this season. Like there there was no (laughs) way that all of those personalities. Also, my own biases. I'll go ahead and put it out there before the season starts. I really don't like John Gruden. Like I really, really don't like John Gruden. Like exceedingly so. Like he's lovable to a lot of people. I hate that man. So like the, all the QB camps, like all that stuff, like infuriates me because I hate him. But aside from that, I felt like there was something that was going to happen this year. And I feel like between having John Gruden on on that massive ten year contract, trading Khalil Mack, not being sold on Derek Carr as your QB, like trading Amari Cooper. 
Getting oh. the Peter Man. Getting the Peter Man, who he has explicitly said that he is a huge fan of. I just I I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. I'm so excited for this football season. And because so, I have Red Zone. <laughs> and Red Zone is yeah. the and Red Zone is the I can't watch football any other way now. After it's that, so great. I had never had it before last year. There's no other way to watch. Like, so what I'll do is I'll watch the Panthers game all the way through and then Red Zone I will watch whenever the Panthers aren't playing. So Yeah. That's how I do it. It's football crack and I love it. Let's talk more football. Zeke still has not shown up for camp. Uh I've and seen this, oh sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, 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 please. I was just gonna say that uh, I've seen you know, Jerry I almost said Jerry Richardson, not Jerry Richardson. Um, Jerry Jones is, you know, he is who he is. He said that, I think the quote was that you don't need a, a league leading rusher to win a Super Bowl, which is fine and all until you peel back the curtain and realize that the Cowboys have never won the Super Bowl without a league leading rusher. <laughs> also that the Cowboys are much more than just a league leading rusher as it is from winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's also the, another thing. You know, I, I'm not a fan of the Cowboys, but I can realize that, you know, Dak is a serviceable quarterback. He, he's not the best and he has his mistakes, but he's, you know, serviceable. You know, you got Zeke, who is the bell cow in that situation. Like he's the main driver of that offense. Without Zeke, they're a, a, a way worse of a team. The He's Cowboys, feature. he is the feature of that offense. Without him, they are not great. Um, and, you know, Amari Cooper showed last season that he's actually worth something, which I wish he would have done that a year before because that's when I had him on my fantasy team. But that's not, that's not, that's neither here nor there. I just don't understand why knowing that Ezekiel Elliott is the focal point of your offense and there is physical data to show that when he was not on the field, your team was worse. I don't understand why you don't pay that dude. And like now with all of this Le'Veon Bell stuff that happened and how that kind of set a precedent for, uh, quite frankly, a position that is expendable in the eyes of a lot of people right now. I mean, like you look around the league, like there half the running backs in the league that are starting. I've never heard of genuinely, like uh, maybe a couple because they're in the ACC, like Dalvin cook, is the only one I know Dalvin Cook only because he was at Florida State. Is he still in Minnesota? He is exactly. You had to ask me. Like <laughs> he's gonna be the, he's their starting running back. <laughs> so you know, it just with that kind of position where that peak that prime ends at like twenty seven, twenty eight, unless you're like Adrian Peterson, um, it's hard to justify giving them money like big money like quarterback money. But when you have somebody like Ezekiel Elliott who has the potential to be that kind of player and he's the focal point of your offense, I don't know how you justify not giving him money. Maverick. I mean, he is very much the focal point of the offense, as you mentioned. And, again, this is one of, I think, the better Dallas Cowboys teams. And I just think, you know, it's just more of this drama with all these players holding out and such. Uh you look at Le'Veon Bell, you look at Zeke Elliott and stuff. So, I mean, it's definitely going to be an interesting storyline to play out the year, especially for fantasy owners. Are they going to draft these players? Also, long-term, if he's – it's kind of counterintuitive. He's acting this way, wanting to get a new deal, when most of the management said, like, well, we want you to show up to get the deal. And so, it, I don't see this ending anytime soon. Aaron? I mean – I understand where Zeke is coming from because he is one of the most talented offensive players in the league and running backs have the shortest average career out of skill position players. Yeah. That's kind of what I was because getting Because they're, they're by far the easiest to just plug and play because they just hit holes. Like I'm sure that being an NFL running back is much more complicated than that, but it's not like a quarterback where you need to know the entire playbook. And, and what defense like, you're reading. Yeah. And it's not like a receiver where you need to know all the routes. Like you do need to know routes if you're a third down back, but for the first two downs, 
It's just knowing where you're, where the hole's supposed to be and reading based on that in real time. So it is valid. Yeah, go. I I think that's an outdated view of what running backs are. But go ahead. Go ahead and finish. I I, I totally agree that it is. But I'm saying at the core of being a running back, compared to the other two skill positions, it's much easier to just get your backup in. And if they're of comparable skill, you're not likely going to see the drop off that you would with your second string receivers or your second string, like with your, you can get a new running back in and versed quicker than a new quarterback or receiver. And so it's valid that they, from the perspective that they shouldn't get as big of a contract. But I think that players like Zeke and Le'Veon Bell are that good that they deserve those contracts. Yeah, I agree. I think that, so as I've been like diving into the numbers of like what makes a good football team, there's like, there's this theory floating around like football universe that establishing the run is like, there's no such thing as establishing the run, whatever. What actually matters is being able to run the ball when the other team knows that you're going to run the ball. And yes, the Cowboys offensive line is good. They are one of the most consistent good units in football that we see. But I think having a running back like Zeke, where you know if you give him the ball, you are going to get three yards. And when you have like a four-minute offense situation where you're just trying to waste the clock to get to the end of the game, what we've seen from the Cowboys since Tony Romo was the quarterback uh, years and years, years and years, like he's not been in the league for 10 years. What we've seen is like since Tony Romo has been the quarterback up to now, they struggle with closing games. If they can, if they have a running back who they know they can get consistent yardage from, you can get that from Zeke. And I feel like the ups, the downside of not paying him is not worth the upside of having a respectable, but not great running game. If this was like a mid tier back, I would understand, but I mean, it's Le'Veon Bell. It's Ezekiel Elliott. And in my personal opinion, Saquon Barkley as like some of those, like re like those quintessential, like Holy crap running backs. I'll, with the caveat that I think Christian McCaffrey is a different kind of running back that he's kind of that new hybrid that I'm not kind of throwing into that mold that I'm talking about. But I think, I feel like, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I feel like they're worth, I feel like they're worth that money. The I just dying do. breed of the true running back. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're all in agreement there. So let's move on to some of, the quarterback uh, drama that's happening around the league. Let's talk about this Daniel Jones thing because I almost got mad on Twitter, (laughs) but I did it and I'm proud of myself. Uh, Daniel Jones went uh, five for five for about 65 yards. I am not looking up his, I do not have his stats in front of me. It was something um, like that. With a touchdown in their first game against the Jets. Here's my thing. It's the first preseason game. He was not going against a a first-team defense. He threw five passes. And the overreaction has been ridiculous. You know, it's probably, you know, and you don't think about it. It's like that first drive is all scripted. Like, it's all scripted. It's all scripted. Every first drive for all of these quarterbacks as they come out is scripted. Yeah, exactly. They know exactly where they're going to throw. They know exactly what kind of throw they need to make, and they've probably done it in practice the last week or two. So it's you know, it's whatever. I don't ever. I stopped overreacting to preseason hype, unless it's like a crazy like like I I was hype about Brian Burns getting two sacks because I'm really high on him and I feel like he's gonna do really well. And so I'm like, ah, yes, great. I don't get hyped for a quarterback, you know, like Kyler Murray. He completed, I think, six for six for like whatever yards. Like, give him the I'm MVP sure, award. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there are instances of new 
quarterbacks having awesome preseason games and then stinking it up when they get into the NFL, like into the grind of the NFL season. So Listen, let's pump the brakes. The Lions went 4-0 and in the preseason <laughs> and them didn't win a game the rest of the season. Didn't the Browns do that two years ago? I believe they did as well. What do you think about the whole Daniel Jones thing, Aaron? I honestly have not paid attention. Very good. Maverick, what do you think of the whole Daniel Jones situation? I've paid attention I mean, to compl- you guys, but I haven't paid attention to Daniel Jones, I mean. Yeah, that's fair. Sarcastically, I've been saying that, but yeah, it's it's the first preseason game. But, I mean, you have to give something to talk about. And so, I mean, he did what is expected of, of the sixth overall pick. That's your job to do that. So now do it when it actually counts. Yeah, I would agree with Maverick. Like, they need something to talk about, but the first preseason game doesn't matter. The only preseason game that really matters is the third because that's where you still have position battles and that's where you usually see the starters play the most. Yeah. Whereas the fourth is just finishing out those residual position battles you don't see the starters play at all i i mean in the panthers case they did not none of the starters played on on thursday yeah for the browns baker played one drive chubb played one drive uh odell and jarvis didn't play at all i think callaway got reps with callaway and higgins got those reps with the ones but then callaway got suspended for four games Uh, Maverick, you put Will Greer in the group me. I am not going. I, <laughs> well, I just saw Twitter was was crazy during the Panthers game because of that. Well, okay, for to be very brief about it because I don't want to dwell on it because I really I think he seems like a fine young man. <laughs> but, <laughs> a good old Mountaineer boy. Him. Yeah, a good good North Carolina kid grew up or did his some growing up in West Virginia. He seems like a like a cool kid, but the um, the I hate Cam Newton crowd came out strong for Will Greer taking Cam's job when he got drafted, and then went out there and threw an interception on his first pass. Let's pump the brakes a little bit on Will Greer. Understand that he is competing for a. Um, competing for that second string quarterback job. And honestly, if we're looking at the first preseason game and even at last season, Kyle Allen has looked really, really good. So I am fine with putting Will Greer on the practice squad and letting Kyle Allen continue as our um, backup quarterback. But it's whatever. David. Uh, same. I I. Yeehaw Twitter loves him. The I hate Cam Newton and his outfits. Twitter loves him, even though he hasn't done anything. It's be, let's call it what it is. He is the white savior quarterback to save, you know, North Carolinian whatevers, you know, from looking at Cam Newton being happy and successful. Let's just call it what it is. So, yeah. Will Greer for starting quarterback. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> you also put Ryan Tannehill in, in the group me, and I have not been paying attention to whatever he's up to wherever he is. So, and so happy to remind you that Tennessee traded for him in the offseason. Oh. So I did not know played, that. I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> so we, because, we, uh, I mean, we've often had problems with QB depth, given the fact that Marcus Mariota's uh, durability has been in question. Unfortunately, we got another quarterback that has durability issues like Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's still an interesting storyline. We played the Eagles in our preseason game. Actually ended up doing very well. We won 27-10 to 10 on that. Um, and it's going to be a storyline all year long because this is Marcus Mariota's contract year for us. Again, marred by injury uh, at least uh, every season that he's played. And so also just uh, – one of those that seems to have not completely reached his full potential. He's part of the, the, the whole class with Jameis and everything um, that haven't really lived up to the hype with those. And then you go in the preseason game, Marcus Murray plays one series, goes four for eight with 24 yards, goes three and out. Then Ryan Tannehill comes in, 
He goes 12 for 16, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Like I was saying earlier, uh, like with Daniel Jones, it's even more a case for Ryan Tannehill. Make no mistake, he is a veteran quarterback. And when healthy, he, he took Dolphins to the playoffs. So he, he did his job. And I would expect a veteran of Tannehill's stature to play well against a training camp squad. Um, but, again, it's going to be something because uh, I forgot who exactly was talking about it. But they were saying, like, we have our new coaching uh, staff under Mike Rabel. Um, it was not his staff that drafted Mariota. They inherited him. And so they don't have really the investment on him. And so they're not afraid to, to bench him if there is another quarterback that can outplay him and can win games for us. So it, it's just going to be interesting storyline to follow down the line for us. I feel like you have – I mean, I don't know Titans Twitter, but I feel like that's an uncommon – thought among a among a, at least an NFL fan where the whole thing is you don't want to rock the boat but I think you know you go with your best player and if Ryan Daniels if he's showing if he's a better quarterback then play him like oh. I and that well that's at least what the coaching staff is saying we're going to play the best player yeah whereas I think there is a lot of people that you know have developed a fondness of Marcus because they see what he can be when he is healthy, he is a he's a very good quarterback. He's agile. He can still throw well, but it, again, it, we're, it's time to you know we have to really see if this is going to be a fit going forward. And if not, we'll have to go with offenses. And so I'm at least excited. That, I mean, Tannehill is going to be a very serviceable backup quarterback at the least. It's like he, I would say he's top ten or top five of the backup quarterbacks. I, I think that's fair. I think top five is closer. So wait, hold on. so since we since Tannehill's out of of uh, Miami, how do we feel like Rosen is going to do in in that's in the, in place of that? Pretty much. So Fitzpatrick, I believe, got first um, team reps. Oh really? I did not know that, Mister. I get overpaid everywhere I go. And then finally, Maverick, he had Sam Darnold. So, yeah, I mean, j- uh, another quarterback that had a pretty good game. Again, they played the Giants. Um, so on the other side of Daniel Jones, um, I f- don't have his stats exactly up. But, again, he was someone that sort of – he had a lot of hype coming to him. Last season, he, he stumbled at points. He was also had a lot of injury issues um, last season. Um, and so, again, another person in this young quarterback class – you know, being able to come in uh, and, and provide for the Jets because Jets is another team that really is just not in a good place at the current moment, like the Cardinals are. Sam Darnold was four for five uh, with a touchdown. Uh, I think y'all will remember I was the highest on Sam Darnold uh, coming into last season. I think he has all like the mental tools and he has the arm to be a good quarterback. He's decently athletic to be able to move around in the pocket and get out of there and make something happen if he's not, uh, if nothing's there. I think that if he, if they can lean on their running game a little and he has a, oh, what's my dude in, oh, why am I thinking, why am I blanking on their on their um, starting wide receiver, like their wide receiver one? Wow. That's unfortunate for my point, but <laughs> either way, <laughs> I I think that the Jets can be at least decent um, this year. Yeah, they'll make a little bit of noise. They will be better than they were last season, as you should when you sign a high caliber running back like Le'Veon Bell. The problem is Adam Gase unleashing this offense a little bit. Robbie Anderson is who I was thinking of, by the way. Adam Gates is just unleashing his crazy eyes. Like, have you seen? Did you see him taking smelling salts before the game? <laughs> yeah. Who yep. does that as a coach during a preseason game? Get some smelling hey, you salts. You gotta get hype. <laughs> sure. Yeah, man. His press conference, his introductory press conference gave me nightmares. <laughs> did you see what came out? 
I don't remember if it was on Reddit or Twitter earlier this week about what he did with Peyton Manning when he, he had his kid. No, no. So he would have a meeting every, I think Tuesday at noon with Peyton Manning. Oh, I and know. He had I, I his know his kid say, on yeah. Tuesday. His wife had a C-section got done at like 11 o'clock. He was like, are you okay? Uh, yeah. And she was like, yeah. And he was like, all right, I'm going. And he still went to his meeting with Peyton Manning. Like, I can respect being dedicated to your craft, but that is taking it like four steps too far. All right. Let's get out of the NFL. Hopefully we get more juicy stories going into next week. I'm so glad football season's back. Uh, Aaron, have you been watching baseball? I have. Um, How about this? Oh, I know that the Orioles are terrible. The Orioles are awful. And the Mets this no summer, longer suck. Yeah, the Mets are 15 and one their past 16 games. They went from being horrible earlier this year to now having a really good chance at making the playoffs. My roommate and I this summer invented the concept of a Hebrew header, which is so obviously in baseball, there's a double header and a Hebrew header is with the seven hour time change, usually Tuesday to Wednesday or Wednesday to Thursday and Saturday to Sunday there would be a night game and then a day game. So in Israel time, the night game would start at like 3 a.m. And the day game, which would be at 1 o'clock Eastern time, would start at like 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. So we would have two games in a day, even though they weren't really in the same day in America. But we'd, it was like a double header of sorts. So we called it a Hebrew header. And those were always very fun. Very good. Um, also, the Indians are back, and I am back with the Indians hype. <laughs> we are now one game up in the division, and we were 12 and a half, 11 and a half games out. And when we at our worst this season, so we've had a heck of a comeback. And since June 1st, we are 43 and 18 which is playing about 700 baseball, which is really, really good. So, yeah. And we have Puig now, who's one of my new favorite players. Puig's your friend. Until he wants to fight you. (laughs) Puig is everyone's friend. (laughs) Even while he's fighting you. Let's see. Let's talk about some of the stuff we've been watching and playing and reading. I saw the new Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. How was it? It was, I liked it. So I haven't watched a bunch of Tarantino movies, but I would put this solidly in the middle of the ones I've seen. I've seen three, so it would be my second on on that list. Can I guess which one you've seen? Yeah, you can guess the other two. Django and Inglorious Bastards? Smart man. Yeah. Uh, do you know which one's number one? Django. No, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, really? I have Django. Yeah, just no, Inglorious like, Bastards is probably my favorite Tarantino, but Django's a very close second. I just watched Inglorious Bastards like two days ago with Lauren. And it's, for the first it's, time? No, 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 no. For, again, for like the third. But it, it, it's phenomenal. I just it's really... It's so good. I, it, it's a great movie, and so is Django. And Glorious Bastards makes me it makes my it makes me sweaty when I watch it because like it makes me so nervous. There's so many intense scenes in it that I get I, I know what happens, but my heart can't handle it. <laughs> no, that the opening scene of that at, in the at the fam, the French family's home. Yeah, man. Between that, so, the dinner scene with Shoshana, um, and the conversation with um, the tavern scene, the tavern. And then the conversation with um, we're fighting oh, in the basement. Yeah, that yeah. Um, I forget that last conversation that they they have with Ryan from the office and Brad Pitt has with ha. I forget his name. The 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 hunter guy, the main guy, yeah. Christoph Waltz. There is um. So I will say that there are elements of that kind of tension in this movie. I. This is much more of like a a moody movie. There's not a lot of plot like at all. Hmm. I I know some of like the meta meta commentary about this movie is that younger people, like people our age, 
aren't connecting as well to the movie as people older than us. And I, I get why it's very much about like middle-aged white men learning or like figuring out where they go after they are not like the most important people in the world anymore, which is very much like a, a woe is me kind of thing, uh, especially coming from Tarantino and the star of the movie being Leonardo DiCaprio. But I feel like they are in on the joke enough that it, it works. It's a very funny movie. And then like, I don't want to, uh, I, I, trust, I, I, the, I, I trust you to not give away spoilers, so go for it. Yeah, no, the, the, there's a good bit of this movie is about the Manson family and the Manson family murders going on in uh, 1969. And a good bit of the tension that you saw in Inglorious Bastards comes from um, that stuff. So if you're into that tension, it's there. If you just want like a 60s hangout movie, that is also there. It, I'm ha- still trying to like parse it, but it's a, it's a good movie. I've heard it. Compared to The Big Lebowski, if you've seen The Big Lebowski. It's been on my list. I feel like you have a long list, Colby. I do have a very long list. It's about 60 movies. Jesus. <laughs> for the, Yeah, so for those who have seen The Big Lebowski, I've seen it compared to The Big Lebowski. But yeah, I, I think um, I would not be surprised if people our age did not like it. But I thought it was good. And there are, like, some spoilers. Like, if you want to talk to me about spoilery things that might have been problematic and probably are problematic, I I would love to talk about that because I think it's really interesting. But I'll, I'll save that for so, another time when I feel like more people have seen the movie. I mean, that's kind of interesting because Tarantino is not is known to not shy away from controversy as far as, like, what's problematic and what's not problematic. Even from... Like Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, um, Reservoir Dogs, like all of those, and especially Django, with you know the use of the N word and everything, like 163 times. Is that the number? It's something more like that. Jesus. So yeah, there is definitely a read on this movie that is more problematic than not. Okay, but I don't. I I. It's a it's an interesting movie. Uh, but I'll leave it at that and tell me what you think because I'm interested in what other people who are our age think of this movie. Maverick, I finished Orange is New Black today. You did? Yes. It was, it's a end of an era. One yeah. of the one of those first real Netflix originals that is I think finally culminated. First. Oh, is it done? Yeah. Yeah. It's final season. Wow. Yeah, this got seven seasons, but The Dragon Prince is about to get canceled after three. I'm not mad about it. Ah. Uh, (laughs) But I liked this season, Maverick, more than the last couple. It had a different feel. I I had problems in the first half. One thing, I think it took too long to really get into its own. I think... because of the events of the previous seasons, in case people have not watched, there is a strong lack of the the base characters from the first season. Um, not going into exactly why, uh, you'll have to watch for yourself. But that's kind of what it's brought a the magic of to reasons. it. Yes. So the, in the first two three seasons, it was because all the the main cast members were together, and so there was always something new going on, different storylines to follow, but now it's only two or three main storylines that actually matter. And then everybody else is like glorified cameos, basically just in the background now. Now I think, and that's why I like the final episode because it does find a way to introduce some of the previous characters, um, in a certain way. But yeah, I don't know. It just felt different. And I think it's because there was just a, a huge lack of those core characters uh, from the very beginning as well, with Piper's, Piper's arc um, being different this time around as well. They were able to... So, if y'all remember me talking about Orange is the New Black last season, 
by like the last five or five ish episodes, I just started skipping all of her scenes because I just couldn't <laughs> with Piper. They managed to write her where I only had to skip one of her scenes this season. So I think that's an accomplishment. <laughs> I think that I like that they kind of pared down the cast. I think it made for a tighter season. I still don't think it had to be 13 episodes, but I liked what they did with the characters who were around. And I did like, though, Maverick at the end of the season to get to see some of the people who we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, because all throughout I was like, where's this person? Where's this person? And then I was like, oh, that's where that's what happened. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so that, I, if I remember, there were some still emotional points, though. This was this. the first Netflix original. It was like this and the House of Cards was um, soon to follow. So this is the. Like um, like y'all said, it's kind of the end of the era of the first Netflix original. And now we have a bunch of these online streaming sites doing the Netflix thing. Which, by the way, that Hulu ESPN plus Disney combo is lethal. Ooh. Yeah. That is lethal. <laughs> well, especially because Hulu has the ACC network, too. Ugh. It's, uh, I told myself I wouldn't, but I if, might. If Spectrum doesn't get a grip on things. Yeah, uh, I have an inside source that says that it's they're working on it. Well, we got three weeks. Yeah. I I have an inside source that says that Spectrum is working on a deal. Disney and Spectrum have been there's so have you have you noticed, Maverick, that like logging on to watch ESPN on like your computer or other devices sometimes is a little wonky for Spectrum? Yes. Yeah. I also have Spectrum and yes. Yeah, so there's like a thing happening that I think it's a software thing or like a dev side thing that's weird with Spectrum and Disney. So I'm sure that's part of what's going on in these negotiations. Um, But I do know that something is happening there and hopefully we can get something done soon. Yeah, I'm waiting for it. I want the ACC network. I do too. SEC's but been no, a- going back to this season though, I there was definitely like I was saying, there's a lot of good still emotional moments mm-hmm. um throughout it all. Um there's one in particular, basically at the very end of the penultimate and at the beginning of the last episode that was particularly uh you didn't think it would hit you in a certain way, but there's also the thing that happens towards the end of the episode two that kind of makes it worse. I'm not sure if you know what I'm the drift that I'm making. Um, that kind of hit hard. I mean, there, there was something that happened in the fourth season or the fifth season that, uh, definitely caused a lot of people revolt. It's like when, um, spoiler alert, soap dies in modern warfare three. It's like that kind of, uh, still hurts. Yeah. Like people just revolt. (laughs) after the choices that are made. And so it lost a lot of steam in the fifth and sixth seasons. And so I I think the last real three episodes of it helps it to finish. It finished strong. I'd say very that. strong. No, I I'm glad it's over because we really can't go anywhere else after this. It was time two or three years ago. I'm, I'm, but I'm glad I got this season. I think this season is a good wrap up for the for the show. So you also watch as we are doing our HBO thing, I guess. Uh, or no, that's not an HBO show. I'm, we're switching to an HBO show. Big Little Lies. I did all of it. So yeah. Um, so like I finished Game of Thrones, and then it was like uh, July one or August, uh, and then I started watching Euphoria. And then uh, Euphoria went off like August 1, and I was like, crap, I've already paid my $15, so I'll have to go through the end of August. And so then I was like, I, I've noticed this show, Big Little Lies, it's got a pretty good cast, and I was like, I, I ought to give this a try. And so ended up really liking it. It's a really good show. You have we- uh, Reese Witherspoon, you have Nicole Kidman, uh, Shailene Woodley, um, you have Zoe Kravitz. So, and I mean, our queen, Lord Dern. <laughs> yes, Lord Dern. Uh, so, I mean, it's star-studded cast. It's got a really interesting story. Is that um, the one with, uh, is it Meryl Streep in there? 
Season no? two, yeah. She's in okay. season two. Okay. But no, it's a story of uh, an accident that happens, and it has somewhat of a reverse narrative where you start at the end, and you basically work your way to what happened throughout the season with somewhat of a mystery. But I think it's pretty easy to sort of deduct or deduce, excuse me, what happens. But it's still the lead up to it that makes it a very interesting story because you're still learning why you got to the, the why we're getting to this situation and sort of the background of each of these women and all of them coming together uh, ultimately. And most of them where they really don't want to be friends, but end up being friends. Sorry for spoiling, by the way. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, Big Little Lies, I thought season one was a lot stronger than season two. There was some weird behind-the-scenes stuff happening with uh, season two that was reported on by... Oh, why am I blanking? Was it Variety? It might have been Variety. I hope I'm quoting that right. I shouldn't say that without knowing for sure. Anyway, there was some stuff happening where directors were shifting around and control got taken back from someone who was supposed to direct the season, uh, supposed to direct season two. And it got really weird. And at least I could tell, I don't know about you, Maverick. I could tell that it felt very chopped up. It did. No, I agree with you on that. Which is unfortunate because I thought there was a lot of potential in season two that I feel like was a little squandered by not being able to sit with those characters the way that we could in season one. And you and I were discussing, I think the majority of the book that this series is based on, you know, most of the events were covered in that first season. They did go into uh, more uh, other parts of season two. They fit in as well, but Again, it's it's a lot of things with like HBO shows, especially when they they have a source material to work from. When they start running out of it, it can get choppy at times. That what we saw uh, with Game of Thrones as well. Yeah, but I like Big Little Lies. I think they're gunning for season three. Uh, we'll see what that looks like if they get that ordered. Yeah, Mel, Mer, as you were alluding to, David, Meryl Streep does come in the second episode, won't reveal her role if you have not watched. I have not. But absolutely fantastic. Um, she uh, she definitely uh, put a lot into this role. I'll just leave it at that. There was also a scene that they cut of um, Madeline, I'm forgetting her real name, throwing a... Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon throwing a ice cream cone at Meryl Streep, and they cut it from the final show, and now I'm upset. But we'll always have to promo uh, yeah. Meryl Streep getting the ice cream out of her back. Hey, also, uh, Adam Scott is in the in the show. Yes, he is. And I can't take him seriously because I just see Ben Wyatt, who moved to California. Which I believe... I. I'm not the first person to say this, but they weaponized us knowing him as Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec to just say, oh, he's just Ben. He's not (laughs) he's he's just a bumbling nerd. And I feel like they use that against the audience. He's snide. (laughs) Yes. As as Nathan would refer as Nathan would refer to him. (laughs) Anyway, Aaron Mario Maker. Yeah, I got Mario Maker uh, like two days ago. It is an amazing game. I mean, it's like the best out of every 2D Mario game that exists. Other than like a story in an overworld. Um, But it reminded me how bad I am at 2D Mario games. Yeah, man, I'm terrible too. Do you have Mario Maker? I don't, but I just, I know I'm terrible at it. It is so addicting, but it is such a kick in the ego. Like, I watched Dan Giesling play Colby because mm-hmm. he's, like, a professional gamer or something like that now. Like, he streams all the time. And he plays Mario Maker, and I always yell at him in my head because he does some dumb stuff. And his goal is to get one on Super Expert every time, and that's become my goal. And it, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I feel that. I... I've beaten, I've talked about Sekiro a couple times on this podcast and 
I on PS4 when you get all the achievements for a game, it's called platinum. Like when you platinum a game, I've never gotten a platinum before, and I am one achievement away from platinuming that game, and I, it's gonna take me forever. And I, but I, if it's a pri- it's a pride thing at this point, like I have to do it. It's just sitting there staring at me. Maverick, you watched Hobbs and Shaw. I did. I did that today, actually. And let's uh, get through this pretty quickly because it is getting laid up in here. Indeed. So this is the, the latest installment in the Fast and Furious franchise, but this is more of a spinoff. And this does cover the story of Luke Hobbs, played by The Rock, and Deckard Shaw, played by Jason Statham. And a nice little, I would call it a buddy cop movie of sorts, uh, with a lot of jokey jokes and comebacks at each other. As you can tell in there, if you have are aware of the franchise and have been following all the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's exactly what you should expect it to be. If you have watched the Fast and Furious movies, if you are expecting it to be a movie full of depth and just Oscar-worthy performances and drama, I don't know what to tell you. This is people punching stuff and flipping stuff and explosions and cars and family themes. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And again, it's it's one of those films that knows exactly what it is. And the the you should be going into the movie knowing that as well. And if you do that, it's a very enjoyable movie. And it's, it's, it's up there uh, among the franchise. And Glow. Oh, we can go in that later. All right. If we I'm got something else brief- to do. I'm going to briefly talk about Dear White People. Uh, the season three came out on Friday. I watched all of it today. It's really good. It's probably the funniest uh, of the seasons of Dear White People that I've seen. It's a really good show. Um, and also, they came at Gronish's neck. Um, Gronish, the spinoff of Blackish, uh, where at one point they say, um, uh, they're talking about this feels like a basic cable ripoff of our lives. And I was like, ah, <laughs> but it's, um, it's a good show. And I recommend it to literally everybody our age who went to Carolina. Watch Dear White People. It's so funny. It's so great. And you will recognize all the little things that happened at Carolina. It's great. Anyway, I believe that's everything. Is David, it? do you have anything? Um, I, thanks to you, Colby, uh, I got the Blu-ray collection of Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. For half off. Great purchase. Which is nuts. Yeah. So I'm watching through that now because it was, it's usually $50 for a nine disc set and I got it for 25. So I'm excited. Nice. It's high quality. Well, y'all, we have done this a hundred times. Actually, we've done this more than a hundred times. <laughs> Are we counting the, lost, the, lost, the, lost, the lost episodes? <laughs> oh, man. One of those y'all are really never going to see. But, yeah, it's been um, it's been a fun ride. I feel like we're saying just like the podcast is ending. It's not, Are you we're quitting us for your no. new shinier podcast? I am not quitting y'all for my new for, shinier podcast, for, which is for, called I'm just for Batman versus Superman's Martha. Martha! <laughs> Martha! <laughs> uh, that show is called I, I'm not going to bleep it out because it's the name of the show. It's called Shit You Need to Know. Um, I will start being we are. I did one episode. That's up now. If you search it on your podcatcher, you will find it. And I will start doing regular episodes starting probably in September, the beginning of September. So if you want to hear me talk about stuff that's not sports, we talk about probably anything else, like the problems that are affecting millennials, Z-lineals, whatever we are. Uh, We'd love to have you over there. It's a fun time. But yeah, uh, this was not supposed to be a plug for a different podcast. But no, I, mean, I have re- really you, enjoyed doing lo- this with y'all a hundred times. Yeah. Almost two years. Almost two years. Just a dream. Two years like this week. Yeah. 
Who was the one that suggested it? Like, hey, we should do a podcast. I we were probably just messing around in chapter or something. <laughs> well, we because it started because we had all of these conversations anyway. So we're just like, <laughs> yeah. Might as well turn on a microphone. Yeah. And then it's Aaron just so happened to have the equipment. <laughs> yeah. Very lucky. All started in the basement of Cobb. Oh, man. I missed the <laughs> back when things were simple. Back when I could see all of y'all all the time. We got to put the throwback intro music in here. If Aaron puts it in the drive, I will. Yeah, book sure. it. <laughs> cool. Well, let's get out of here because um, it's bedtime. It is. Let's do this. So if you want to find us for the hundredth time, you can do that at tinyurl.com. So never made varsity. Leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Anything you like or didn't like, be sure to let us know via Twitter at NeverMadePod. Thank you to Jake Cochran for our original theme music. Woo! And we will see y'all next, next week where we're going to have a really cool guest. Come next week. <laughs> Woo! It'll be a good time. All right. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>